Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. On this week's episode, I sit down for a chat with a whirlwind of a human being, my dear friend and badass woman, Renee Hall. A fierce advocate, amazing mother in middle age, a widow, a cancer survivor, and simply a remarkable human being. Get ready for this one, gang. It's special. Here we go. Everybody, welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. I am your host, Maddie C. Thank you so much for being here. Busy, busy times here at What Am I Making, as always. For those of you who have not seen, I have launched a radio shave, radio shave, radio show, WAIM Radio. That's What Am I Making Radio is available every Friday at noon on suburbsradio.com. You can also listen to replays and archived episodes of each one of my shows. It's an hour-long themed radio show where I'll play tracks based on that theme. I'll give a little context, talk a little bit about why I chose those songs. It's really fun. I've got two of them out now. Uh, They are both available uh, up on the Mixcloud archive. I'll be sure to link those in the show notes, and uh, I will be sending out regular updates as those archive. Uh, For those of you who, uh, who didn't get a chance to see it, we did a movie club this week for the first time at What Am I Making. It was very, very uh, small group, but it was very intense and very awesome. Um, <clears throat> we, I really thought it was, a, it was a huge success. We had like a 45-minute discussion about Breaker Morant, which is a 1980 Australian film that is very near and dear to my heart. And I, I'm going to sit back down and listen to the recording of that uh of that discussion and see if I can make it so that it is worth listening to as an objective uh, viewer or listener. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to see Breaker Morant yet, uh, I highly recommend that you do that and check out some of the stuff that's over there on the Substack and um, give you some things to think about and then listen to our discussion because I will be posting that hopefully within the next few days. Uh, Our Steven Spielberg bracket challenge is rolling right along. We just finished round one. We are about to begin round two. So make sure you are out there and getting those votes in now as we winnow 32 of America's most famous filmmakers' uh, movies down to one king, one reigning champion, as it were. Uh, speaking of movies, and we've been doing a lot of movie stuff here at the pod, or I've been, I, we, I've been doing a lot of movie stuff here at the pod, um, I had this thought. I, I posted a, uh, a soup recipe uh, a week or two ago on a Sunday and talked about a potato cheddar soup that, that's something that I make every fall, and it's a, a tradition and something we really look forward to here in my household. I make it a few times every fall and winter. And uh, I posted that, and several of you commented and you know hit me up privately and, and let me know how much you appreciated it and how much you liked it. Does anybody have any interest in me doing like a Sunday dinner and a movie thing where like I teach you how to make like a really good old-fashioned meat sauce, and then we talk about The Godfather. I, I have no idea how this would work or whether or not it would make sense, uh, but it would combine two things that I love dearly, which is uh, eating and movies. So let me know what you think of that idea. Uh, if you don't know how to communicate with the show, I'm going to give you a couple of options. Number one, you can always just uh, comment on anything that you see on the Substack. The blog is found at whatamimaking.substack.com, and you can go in there and comment on any given piece. 
and uh, it'll just show up right in the threads comment, the comment thread at the uh, at the bottom. The second way to get a hold of the show is by emailing me at what am I making blog. That's all one word. What am I making blog at gmail.com. Send me ideas, comments, uh, guests you think I should talk to, records you think I missed, movies I should watch, that kind of stuff. Uh, leave me a message with a similar set of ideas or thoughts or comments or whatever over at speakpipe.com slash what am I making. Uh, those are great ways for you to communicate with me and let me know what you think of the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Um, please, the more you get involved, the more I can create something that is uh, representative of the community that we have here. Uh, always important to remember that if you enjoy what you hear uh, over here at the uh, at the pod, that you like, rate, and review it wherever you get your podcasts. So I am an Apple podcast listener. So I would go into Apple Podcasts and I would pull up my show or the show I was trying to rate. And uh, they'll give you a one to five star system and they'll even allow you to uh, leave a short review where you can kind of talk about the things that you like or dislike about the show. And uh, if you would do that, the more you can interact and the more you can share it, the more that this is likely to get in front of new listeners and new readers. And that is a huge, huge part of what we're trying to do here. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump from the housekeeping and all of the things that I've got going on in my world and jump to the main reason that we have this thing, which is the guests. Renee Hall, my guest this week, is a, a longtime dear friend. And if I had to describe Renee Hall to a stranger, which is what I have to do to you right now, I would say simply Renee Hall is a survivor. I hate that I have to introduce her that way, but it's simply an irrefutable fact of who she is. Within the last 15 years, Renee has seen her mother die of breast cancer, only to turn around and nearly lose her own life in that same struggle. Motherhood also came to Renee late in life and as something of a surprise, to be honest. Of course, she fell in love with being a mom and set to being the best damn mother she could be. And shortly into the life of their new child, Renee lost her partner and Veronica's dad, Rob, to a heart attack on April Fool's Day of all days. And while it would be easy for someone who has endured so much in her life to be cynical and hardened and bitter, Renee remains one of the funniest human beings I have ever encountered. Her wickedly dark sense of humor and infectious laugh belie her own tragic personal history. And almost immediately in our conversation, Renee displays her self-reliance as she shares a story about trying to fix an issue with her vehicle in an effort to save any money that she can. We talk about working hard and feeling like you're doing little more than spinning your wheels. There's some discussion on the high price of being poor and how first world most of our problems really are. And through the story of Renee's personal journey and her challenges and what she's encountered, you can easily spot her resilience. But in her laugh and in her dark wit, you can hear her mischievousness. In spending an hour with her, you will see the areas in between those spots. And that'll bring a lot of light to the picture of a woman who I would describe as brave, hilarious, resilient, courageous, honest, and vulnerable. And by the time I, I hope you finish this interview, you will love and admire Renee Hall as much as I do. So ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with genuine survivor, Renee Hall. Enjoy. So before we get rolling, how was your day? 
sucked a huge dick. How was yours? No, better than that. Good. It wasn't good. Uh, like amazing or anything, but it was good. It was solid. Um, good. My, I'm, I'm sorry. Some cards. I'm sorry. Well, did you find out what's going on? Um, I think so. Um, it took me over an hour and a half to find the schematics for my fuse box. So that was stellar because apparently in the crap year my car was created, there were two different fuse systems. So one of them is under the hood and blah, blah, blah. And then the other one is up in the dash panel. And every YouTube video ever is the one under the hood. So I couldn't find out which one. I don't have a horn. And okay. I've been cut off twice and that was problematic for me but then in the middle of all that my epc light came on which That's could be the, nothing yeah electronic yeah, it's, it's, power control right so it could yeah. be a thousand different things or it just could be nothing so but yeah. i'm broke right and when you're poor like everything is potentially catastrophic right i don't well have... um okay so so you know the william carlos williams poem the so much depends on a red wheelbarrow in the rain. You know this? Okay. And I'm not going to quote the whole thing. And that's like half the whole thing. Like it's super short. But the thing I love about that is that that is the simplest way that it was ever explained to me that almost everyone else in the world lives this close to tragedy. Yeah. And you are super fucking lucky that yeah, your life is not, is not tied. And I'm not talking about you specifically, <laughs> but like... So, so what's happening, I think, is I'm starting to see that red wheelbarrow thing show up more and more in my life and in the mm -hmm. lives of people that I know who up until now have largely been safe from that sort of, to use the parlance of our times, economic anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Economic anxiety. Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's true yeah. though, because stuff that, you know, you know, you know, working with people with disabilities, I, um, I shouldn't complain, right? Because I, in, in comparison to a lot of the people I support and help, I am golden, right? Like public transportation, well, it might be, but it hasn't been an issue for me. And um, when they have to travel, it's it's a big ordeal, right? And whether they can get accessible transportation. I mean, I was just out in Maine with um, the self-advocates that I support on the national level. And there was no transportation for one of those folks to get from the airport to the hotel. So some dude at the airport broke some rules and got in there. But then it took uh, myself and his support person all weekend to struggle and call a million different numbers and try to find somebody to get him back to the airport. And it ended up costing 300 bucks. And this was for this was for somebody in a wheelchair? Yeah, he's a wheelchair yeah. user. And he is. Um, this was their national board meeting for the National Group of Self-Advocates. They're so cool. They're called um, Self-Advocates Becoming Empowered. And they... Um, have their board meetings at um, different board member spaces throughout the um, country because there they engage with local groups, yada, yada. But there was no way for him to get around. And that is so unacceptable. The hotel didn't have a handicapped accessible shuttle. Half the taxi companies that are supposed to didn't have anything available because they were all in the shop, right? And oh, yeah. So trying to find a ride was just ridiculous. But we finally got it and everything. But but it's just that kind of stuff that I know I'm fortunate I don't have to deal with. But um, and and you know I can complain all I want, and my daughter goes to private school, right? Like so, I just look <laughs> like a big jerk when I complain about stuff, right? Well, uh, I mean, some of it is okay. So some of it is first world problems for sure, uh -huh. and some of it is like 
to get back to the red wheelbarrow thing, like there will be consequences in your life without a vehicle that are more than just inconvenience, right? So it's going to be more than, oh, I have to walk in the cold, the wind and or the rain to uh, quality dairy to get whatever, right, or right. so that I can have, uh, you know, Diet Coke and whiskey to make it through my miserably depressing weekend or whatever. But my, my point is that like, when you're when you're sort of living that close to the margins all the time and uh, ian and i were just having this conversation about how goddamn expensive it is to be poor that's it right but everything yeah. is so much more expensive in my yes. late fees oh my god if i when i do like my budget thing it's my late fees are just killing me because i'm always juggling one thing to pay another to pay another and you know everybody's always like you know, everybody's trying to always be helpful, right? Everybody's always up my ass because, you know, Rob died and they want to just help me out. And I do appreciate it like 80% of the time. But, um, oh, well, Veronica could just go to public school and you could save so much money. Um, Thank you. Uh, And then I have, I feel like I have to explain, well, you know, Veronica's kind of on the spectrum and this is a safe place for her. And this is where she was when Rob died. Shut up. You shouldn't have to, you know, it's, it's all the extra shit that comes along with being- It's feeling poor. like it's- would you say it's feeling like you have to advocate for a decision you've already made and advocated for a dozen times previously? Absolutely. And every okay. time I try and do anything or if I buy anything for the house or if I get anything, people are always like, oh, you know, and you complain about money. Is that Veronica's college fund? You know, people say stuff like that. And I'm like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like, what, what, how did you not learn how to shut the fuck up? That's kind of what yeah. I wonder. Like, like, okay. Uh, when you were a kid, did your parents take you to go see Bambi? No. Oh, well, I went to go see Bambi, and, and there was this funny little rabbit in it, and he had the most remarkable concept. If you can't say nothing nice, shut the fuck so, up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. I, I took a class one time from this um, this amazing lecture. It was on motivational interviewing and how to get people to you know tell their story. And he said, never miss the opportunity to shut your mouth. And I thought it was the most amazing thing. Never miss the opportunity to just shut your mouth. I love it. I don't mm -hmm. know how to do it, but I love it. Well, I kind of suck at it, but I do. I like, like clearly with the two of us in here, it's going to be a disaster, right? Well, thank thank God it's a podcast where people are supposed to talk. So we're doing great so far. And it's really funny. This always happens. And I'm, I don't even engineer it. I always say... All right, so before we get rolling, and then we're rolling, and so now it's like this is the 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 entrance into what's an interview and what's a conversation between two people who love each other. It, it it's fucking it, it's non-existent. Oh it's my god, non, I didn't even realize you said non, those words. It's non-existent, Renee. Like it will. It's like water. Just it's like it's like water just running over like tile. It's like it doesn't matter whether it gets to the whole tile or to part of the tile. Like. You're there, and now all of a sudden the floor is wet, and we're cleaning it up. And next thing you know, we're in an interview. That is so funny because you said that, right? You said those words, and I was like, yeah. you were like, how's your day? And then I just like verbally vomited at you. I, I love it. It's the best It's the best thing about doing this is that if I follow the advice you just gave me, which I totally didn't because I interjected and took everyone out of that moment, um, it's so easy. It's really just a matter of like, it's like, when you have little children, it's like guys, like they know how to walk, like you're following them at the zoo and they know where they want to go. And the only time you really kind of like steer them is when you're worried they're going to go somewhere dangerous. 
And so it's like, don't go, no, 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 honey, let's not go in the bear pen. Let's come back here and talk about something else. And then I have to like sort of ferry people back from like really heavy shit or like a boring story that's going to kill the audience. Laughing <laughs> because maybe I'm like the shittiest parent ever to breathe, which, you know, it's quite possible. We're at the zoo one time, Rob was still alive. So she was little and we were at the zoo and she running and i'm just standing there watching her run and he's sitting on a bench watching she just like some wooden like oh life lessons are a bitch oh she won't forget that told her not to run like twice maybe three yeah. times and she ran so i was like well see what happens fourth time gravity's gonna teach you mm-hmm. um so yeah so we were talking about I love this idea of motivational interviewing. I've never, I've never heard it put quite like that. I think I've heard some of these concepts, but yeah, I don't oh, know. I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that and how, how that sort of fits in with like your advocacy work and, and we can slowly kind of try to piece together all the different parts of your world that I, that's really kind of what I want to get at. See what a gigantic cluster it is. Yeah. yeah so that's what I love about it. Life is a gigantic cluster. So motivation interviewing is so cool. It's trying to get people to see things for themselves, right? That's all it is. It's like, um, you know, part of that cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Like it's your deal and you're going to talk about it and you're going to figure it out and you're going to do it. And so motivational interviewing is kind of trying to get people to talk about things that they might not talk about otherwise and the techniques to do that. Um, and it's cool. It's really cool stuff because that's where you get the good stuff, right? You get what's important to people. You get what means something to them. You know, I can't support anyone in my job or counsel anyone in my job unless I know what's important to them. Because right. what an ass I would be to tell them what's important to me. Who cares what's important to me? It's not about me. You know, one of the, um, the biggest slogan for the self-advocates is nothing about us without us. Give me that one more time. Nothing about us without us. That is amazing. It's that is everything. So, that is so simple and so mm-hmm. direct and uh, complete. That is really lovely. Yeah, it's good stuff. And so I always tell them, you know, I make suggestions. I mean, that's what they hired me for, right? Like, that's what they asked me to be part of their thing for is to advise them. That's my title. And so I'll say, as your advisor, and they're always like, oh, God. Renee's going to insert her opinion here. Um, But ultimately, I tell them, I'm going to advise you. And this is what I think. If you don't do it, okay. You know, I'm here to support you. I'm your support. Now, I'm not going to let them waste a million dollars or, you know, kill puppies. But they're never going to do that anyway, right? But, you know, my advice is you might want to try this strategy or you might want to try this thing or this way to ask for some legislation. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. It's their and just to kind of just to kind of back up uh, the the group that you're working with, the they in this particular scenario is. Here. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, that's so okay. That's okay. Two different groups, right? Um, in Michigan, they're called the Self Advocates of Michigan, and it's um people with developmental disabilities who are self advocates, meaning nothing about us without us. They advocate for themselves to live the lives of their choosing. And so, and then I got asked, I was so honored and privileged. I got asked to be an advisor for the national group. 
and they're oh, wow. called self-advocates becoming empowered. And so that's where I've been traveling. And um, the members of the Michigan self-advocates are are also members of the national, but the national's got board members from these nine, 10 regions across the country. And they come together and talk about legislation and issues that impact them and what's important to them to help them live the lives that they want to live. And it's the coolest, coolest work. I mean, I might be dirt poor, but it's good stuff, right? Okay, so what kind of, what kind of advocacy are you doing most frequently or, or is this group on a national level doing most frequently? What is, what is kind of the baseline stuff that you feel like is maybe yeah. the primary function, I guess, of the, of the whole structure? I mean, I'm sure so there's a, right, a whole web, but there's like, oh, yeah. a couple of head, like a headline things, I guess. Yeah. So right now in Michigan and on the national level too, but there's a law, um, uh, some legislation that came through in 1938 that allowed employers to pay people with disabilities less than subminimum wage. Now that sounds barb. Yes, right. I think the intent was good. I think they were trying, as they were moving people out of institutions or trying to, and trying to find respite for families. They thought, oh, if they could go sit in a workshop and make a widget and talk to their peers all day, then it doesn't matter what they really get paid. Okay, but society has evolved, right? And we can objectively look at that and say, that's bullshit. And it's a civil rights violation, right? And so the advocates are going at that hard in Michigan. They had a day at the Capitol um, recently where they came and talked to their legislators and their senators and their reps and all of that goodness and asked them to pass some legislation and get rid of it. And they did a ton of research. This group did um they were just absolutely amazing there are other states in the country that have gotten rid of it's called a 14c certificate they've gotten rid of that certificate and so they called those states and they're like how'd you do it what'd you do what you know how'd you pass it how'd you get it done who got left behind when you passed it because they didn't have work opportunities then and had to just go sit home and watch tv um what worked what didn't work all of that they were absolutely brilliant And then they put together an ask and a plan and there's some potential legislation coming through and they're just amazing. Just freaking amazing. How big a group is this sort of core group of folks that are these advocates that are, that are. So the group in Michigan is brand new. We, um, we just started um, when I got hired actually, like they had had some fits and starts before me, but they there's a hundred people in a year and it's so exciting. And we anticipate that that will get bigger and bigger. They're hoping to have local chapters to, you know, talk about stuff in their local area. um, One in every County. Really? That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. One almost every like you would almost like you would have like a county health department. You would have a county yep. you would have self, self advocate yep. uh, office or whatever. Yep. Um, and- so that that hundred, for lack of a better word, clients a year that are coming through the system right now, those are all those are a hundred of them in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Those are Michigans. Yeah. Okay. So the national group has had thousands they're kind of retooling and rebranding right now like i'm gonna i'm working hard with them to redo their website completely and to covid kind of messed everything up because their membership got renewed at in-person conferences well that hasn't been able to happen so currently technically there are like 20 members there's thousands of people engaged and involved and when they when i 
and finish with the public relations committee for them. When I get their website finished and we get everything all up there, memberships will start coming in again. And they'll be, you know, we've got a ton of people clamoring. They're like, why isn't the website done yet? Why isn't the website done yet? What's happening? And, and so there's going to be a ton of people. So it's, it's a great movement. It's good stuff. They're, um, they're just, they're just doing really cool stuff. Uh, and this is, this is your full-time gig. Yep. And how long has that been the case? Two years. Two years. What were you doing Two before that? What were you doing before, before this? Because I feel like all of these things kind of sort they of like rip, ripple over each other. And so tell me a little bit about the different, um, the, the different blankets that are on the bed. Sure. So I also have a night gig because I work in public service. We all have night gigs in public yeah. service. So I, um, I do forensic research for litigated workers cop, which is related as well, right? Talking about people with disabilities. And so my, um, the firm that I work for, my boss looks at, like, say you got injured at work, right? And so he would look, he would come and interview you and talk to you. And then we would put together a report about what jobs you've done in the past, what your skills were, what your duties were at those jobs. Take a look at the medical for what's involved in that and then figure out some potential jobs because this is forensic, right? This is all um, theory. This, it's, this isn't finding jobs for people. This is talking about what, mostly for settlement purposes, right. what you could make, what you yeah. could go out into the world and do, right? After, you, right. after your injury based on um, what the doctors say you can do. Right. And so it can be really objective in this way. Right. It can be, you know, this is what the doctors say this person can do. We take his um, trait factor theory, his skills that he had before um, job duties where he performed those kind of find um, transferable skills for new jobs and just look at the labor market and the stats from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics and see what's out there. It's really cool stuff. Wow. It's really so so in essence, you're you're sort of, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to parse out an analogy here in a half-assed way. <laughs> it's almost like you're an actuary for what somebody could do in the workplace. Yep. Is that that's, that's, yeah, kind that's of in it. the ballpark? Okay. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, and then, then it goes to settlement litigation, wherever it goes, you know, who knows every, every case is different, but then it goes there and then magistrates, lawyers, um, claim specialists, representatives, clients, claimants, everybody, then they make the decisions. We're not part of all of that. Once, you know, the report is done and, um, and you know, the, the information has been given out, then we're out, right. Then we're, we're just out. And then other and people, these, these, uh, these reports that you're doing, are they typically to settle usually a civil suit then between two parties they're um they're comp, usually yeah okay. we do some civil cases um andy andy is my boss he's super cool and um i've been i've been doing this for 12 years this is my day gig before and that uh -huh. space, yeah that's where i was working when i got my cancer diagnosis and they well were, yeah way to way to go ahead and uh spoil the the dun, dun, dun. no i'm just kidding just talk about like I, how like I like how you've I like how you've dropped in for those who are paying very close attention that uh you uh have a dead partner and mm -hmm. uh and uh and also uh can cancer diagnosis was said out loud so because my next question was going to be like this wicked like super like very clever segue about 
understanding how to navigate medical paperwork and insurance and that you do a lot of that in your day job and in your night job but there's a reason that you have so much fucking experience at it and it's not because of that work so tell me about your cancer diagnosis your experience your treatment um the the god awful journey since then um i don't where where do you want to start oh god i'm sorry i jacked up your segue no Um, dude dude i'm totally messing with you i just like i was watching it unfold and i was like this is gonna come off slowly i'm I'm like i'm like i'm like this is gonna uh, this is all gonna work out like she's gonna we're gonna wrap it like this is all just kind of coming together and then you were like that's when i got my cancer diagnosis and i was like motherfucker um here's the thing here's the here's the thing i think it was your cancer diagnosis i don't think i get to do stuff with it good point right (laughs) right nothing about me without me damn it uh you oh my god yeah that was that was letterman-esque nice work so 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 here we go you ready for a segue so you had cancer huh yeah i had some cancer (laughs) it sucked uh gonna kill me someday it's a pain in the ass what um what was that experience like? Like, how did you, how did you find out what, what, what so happened? So before a little pre thing. So in 2018, my mom, um, well, 2003, she got diagnosed with breast cancer and it was, um, triple nag and triple nag means it's not receptive to any hormones or anything like that. So she goes in, has a lumpectomy, shit pile of chemo, some radiation. She's good. Five years later, it's spread. And it's everywhere. My dad has died in the interim and it's everywhere. And she's miserable. And um, she chooses not to have treatment because pretty much it's just going to be a bunch of drugs. She's over there kind of by herself. You know, I'm an hour and a half, two hours away. Um, She decides to just hang it up. She misses my dad. She's done, right? She's out. So she dies in December of 2008. So then I have V in 2011. I have a kid, surprise kid story goes with that too but that's kind of not for the space so she um because that's even more jacked up so anyway so I have this beautiful daughter and I am finishing school and everything is so cool and I'm gonna go on and I'm gonna get my PhD it's gonna be freaking fantastic and I'm a little old but it's still gonna be great and so that's May 2nd I graduate everything's beautiful and then you're gonna get a PhD in what rehabilitation counseling okay I'm gonna teach I want to teach, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to do that. That's my goal. It's what yeah. I've always wanted to do. I'm going to teach. So then I go to have my mammogram and I was supposed to have it in February, but I was working on my final stuff for my master's and I didn't make it and I didn't get to go. And so um, I graduated May 2nd, May 25th, I go in and I am standing at the machine, you know, looking at the monitor and I can see this lump, right? Like I can see this mass. Can't feel it, but I can see it in the room like the 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 woman's demeanor you know the rad tech in the room she just like it all changed and I was like fuck and all I could think was my I had my mom's voice in my head and she was like and I could see it on the screen when she called me and told me that you know about that and I was like oh yeah I can see it on the screen so I go back into the room Mm. you know naked in this gown and it's awful and I'm thinking shit 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 you know I was 37 when my mom died but V was three B was three and I'm like fuck and so you know I'm just there and waiting and they rush me right over for an ultrasound and they're like crap we're gonna schedule a biopsy 
Ugh. And I'm like, okay. And then so I go right away and sure as shit, it's cancer. The guy doesn't want to tell me. So this is why I said that's where I was when I had my cancer diagnosis. Because the guy doesn't want to tell me over the phone. He wants me to drive over there. I'm like, you know what? If you're going to tell me shitty news, I'd rather not drive home upset. Fair. Like, I'm only a mad driver anyway, right? Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, marginal most days. And so I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I make him tell me over the phone. So it's myself and my boss in there and he goes, I'm on this phone call, right? And so I hang up and I just yell across the hall. I'm like, I fucking have breast cancer. And he's like at my door in two seconds flat, right? He's like, what? And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I got to go home and tell my kid. Well, I don't have to tell my kid, but I got to tell her dad. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sakes. So then it just all went after that, right? You go meet with the surgeon. And I said, well, you know, mom had a lumpectomy and she's dead. So I'm probably going to go for a double mastectomy. And this woman was amazing. She's like, well, that seems perfectly logical. Like we could have been having cocktails the way we were talking yeah. in the room, right? She's like, yeah, that seems perfectly logical. She's like, I think that's a good like choice. She would have thought she would have thought more deeply if you had like said, I think I'm going to wear this dress to the thing on Friday. <laughs> she would have went, are you I'm sure like, I don't like it with those I don't shoes. know that brown yeah. is the right move there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, she was great. And I was prepared to fight for that, right? Because I knew, like I had had a little bit of a consultation with one of her partners over the phone and he was adamant that I shouldn't do that. And okay. I was like, well, this isn't your life, right? Like I, and so too much information maybe for the listeners, but my old breasts were gigantic, right? And I'm like, so you're just going to lop one off and they're not going to, you're never going to match this, right? <laughs> So I'll go for it. You know, I'd like to be symmetrical. I've got the OCD thing enough that symmetry oh my is God. to me. So, so they send me down to the plastic surgeon. He's like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. Get this scheduled immediately. And then, you know, it's just this whirlwind after that, right? And so I go and I have the surgery and somebody jacks something up in recovery. Do you even know? I don't even know if you know the story or not. No, I don't. So yeah, this is dumb. So at, when you have implants alone or the mastectomy alone, you get a compression garment afterward. But when you have the two procedures together, you're on that table for like 10 hours. And so nothing's supposed to touch your skin because it's half dead and necrotic anyway, right? So they don't wanna don't wanna do that. But someone did that for me. And he told he told Rob to make sure I didn't have something on afterward. Rob said something in recovery. They were like, no, this is the right thing. And, you know, they're supposed to be the expert, right? And right. so Rob just didn't. And the next morning, the resident comes in or the attending, I don't even know who it was. And he goes, shit. He took it off. And then everybody's flipping out. And they did some big, it's called a root cause thing at the hospital where they figure out who made a mistake and how and why. And they were, everybody was nice. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes. So I wasn't too yeah. mad about it. Um, but it didn't, wasn't healing, right? It was super jacked up. And so then they take me to the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which sounds like it's going to be cool, right? I'm going to lay in this thing and just relax for a while. So the story gets a little gory. So I, um, okay. So you know what I look like people on your podcast don't, I have dark black hair. I wear red glasses, red lipstick and black nails. Always. You will never not see me in those things. We can't wear any of that in the thing. No, it's oxygen and you could combust, right? So that's slightly terrifying when they tell you no nail polish, no makeup, no lotions, no hair, no conditioner, like nothing. 
So I'm already feeling like garbage about myself. I just got my boobs cut off. I've got all these drains hanging out of me. You know, it's just disgusting. So I go and I lay in this thing and it closes. It's a big glass coffin and it closes with a seal. Like you see in movies where they talk about submarines, you know, that big, like, like that hermetic seal where you you can hear it go. Like I'm in like a food seal bag. Right. And um, (laughs) yellow and blue make green. That's locked. Slacker in there. About what happens to silicone breast implants when you get slurped up in the oxygen, like, yeah, mm-hmm. smashed down. They're brand new, they're killing me already, right? So they hurt like crazy. Then these drains are ball drains, right? You squeeze them to get the goo out of your body. So they yeah. slurp down. You can hear them audibly. You know, oh. it's just terrible. Yeah. So I'm laying in there and everything is already sucking. And then they start literally, literally. Oh, hot, clever. I see what you did there. And so then they bring it, you know, try and they call it diving. They bring you down the pressure, right? Well, I start spinning like I've had a bottle of whiskey, right? Like I'm going to puke. It's terrible. So I tell the lady, I can't do this. And everybody's super sweet. They bring me back up. You can't just get out, right? You got to go back up. Oh, and when I laid in there, they told me not to move a lot because you could create friction and set yourself on fire. What? Like they'll explode, right? Well, I, I get that there's a lot of oxygen in there, and it, I, I understand. Just like we're, you talk about being like right on a knife's edge. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah. So and you know, you know, and I don't have anxiety to begin with, right? Oh like, no! There enough mm, volume in the no. world to like make that better. But anyway, they were super sweet, and they were like, "Come back tomorrow," and I'm like, "Okay." They're <laughs> like, "You didn't eat. You weren't expecting this today," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I can do this." And I got home, and I lost my shit. I was sobbing. I'm like, "I'm sick of being brave." <laughs> Like I'm done. Screw everyone. And so anyway, so then I get up in the next morning. I'm like, screw that. I can do this. I'm going to do this. And I go back and the same thing happens again. But this time my ear explodes because of the pressure. And they check you in advance, right? Like they look in your ears and mine were good at one point. So they have to pull me back out of it. And they're like, the guy was so sweet. He's like, this isn't the ear I saw before you went in. And I'm like, that's because there's blood running out of it. Right? Like it's jacked. So I have to go to some oh place put like a spear in my ear to release the pressure right blood squirting all over rob sitting in the corner looking like he's gonna barf it was a disaster then he's like, like I that think episode we'll of the twilight zone he's like i think we'll do the other one for when you go back and i'm thinking go back Who the f- have you fucking met me i'm not going back like i'm, I'm not going back out. cut these off i don't care just whatever i'm like i can't do this i'm like i have to i have to start chemo can't die. I got a little girl. Like I got to get this over with, right? Like I like I got something that depends on me now. I feel really obligated. Like I can't dip. So anyway, but I healed. They did another little revision surgery. I healed. I started the chemo. Everybody said that the first four treatments were going to be the worst. It's called they call it the red devil. It's adriamycin cytotoxin, and it's awful. They said the last part would be better well they lied they lied everybody lied I'm still mad about it it's been almost 10 years everybody lied because the next part was the part where I got all the neuropathy and all the awful side effects and that's why I just like randomly fall down when I'm walking still because my feet either don't feel like anything or they feel like I'm stepping on like a 120 electrical cord like like somebody not on it and I'm just standing on it in water so that just showed up Late in the well, in the well, chemo and radiation. 
Yeah. Well, it's the, I didn't have radiation because I had no node involvement, which was okay. an amazing thing, right? Like it could have gone so poorly. The first thing when I woke up, like after recovery, Rob was standing right there. And, you know, out of all of the words he ever said to me in the time we were together, there was no node involvement was the most amazing thing he'd said. It is romantic. I mean, really? Uh, no, it wasn't, but it was fine. <laughs> and then neither was the rest of it, but that's a whole different podcast but um yeah so it um yeah so I didn't have any radiation but in this next 16 rounds of chemo it just every time it was just worse and worse and worse and some people ditch right they don't finish it because it's so problematic my hands aren't as bad as my feet so I'm super fortunate um some other people have had to quit their career because they can't feel their hands enough like I have a friend who was a dental hygienist she couldn't, oh, she couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I fall sometimes I was still... Domino's guy came to the house one day and I walk out the door and I just am standing there waiting for him. And I just tipped over into the fountain by the front door. Veronica comes out because that kid is so amazing. She comes out and she just takes the pizza from the guy and she goes, yeah, she just falls sometimes. And she just goes back in the house. <laughs> I like that I like that somehow it's funnier and almost weirder that she explains it directly, succinctly, and accurately, as opposed to going, she's had a couple, or making some kind of joke about you being like an alcoholic or a drug addict or narcoleptic. Oh, what he thought. I thought, yeah, your mommy's drunk a lot. I was waiting for like CPS to come. No, he yeah. was and she was just like, she falls down a lot. And that was it. And she gets like it's just cutting. It's so cuttingly harsh, and it's so Veronica. It is very Veronica. Yeah. So, so the cancer thing, you know, and it's ridiculously expensive, even with surgery. And then there's all these follow ups, you know, like there's always something wrong, right? There's always like an additional something, and so it's just a lot, right? Like I was at um today, I had thirty two X rays to see if um I have some arthritis now some inflammatory condition caused by the chemotherapy there's just there's always something and in my world it can never be like oh shit I'm old and my hands hurt it's oh my god I have a mess like it can just never be okay right like my right. back hurts I'm dying yeah I know that like there's the rational <laughs> me that knows but then there's always that part it's always, always now gonna be was that. it was it was it that way in your brain before the cancer diagnosis and cancer made it worse? Oh God, no. So I'd it just like, wasn't oh, there. It wasn't there at all. And then it, cause oh. some people, some people are like, like I have a couple specific health things that freak me out that are, that have symptoms that are directly related to stuff I actually have. But like, if I have anxiety, there is a part of my body that's going to make my anxiety worse because my immediate reaction is heart disease. Right, right. Right. And it's like, and so immediately my first thought is it's not just that you are having a difficult moment or you're a little anxious or you can feel a trigger coming on. Right. You're going, to, you're going to die yeah. right here, right now in front of people that love you. <laughs> and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Right. Right. And it's like, or it could just be heartburn. Right. Or I shouldn't have eaten that second burrito. Right. Right. Like yeah. So like, I, so I, I guess that's my long-winded way of saying I can get that a little bit. I think it's interesting that even with your mom's experience, this sort of formed whole cloth 
like out of this one, not that, I mean, it's obviously a massively life altering experience in every way, but it is, it is something that like is so life changing. It just completely changes your outlook on everything else that has to do with your health. Well, and so people used to be shitty to me, um, like, uh, like Facebook, like I celebrate everything, right? Like I made a freaking cake when my house turned a hundred, right? Like mm-hmm. just, I celebrate everything. The irony of that, I'm going to wreck your segue again. The irony no, you're of good. that was, I thought it was because I might die. You know, right. taking all these pictures for Veronica of all of these events and family things and all of that, because I thought I was going to croak. And then Rob turned around and, you know, Clyde, I just had to be better and just beat me to it. Well, he couldn't let you have all the attention. I think that's oh, right. I think that's know, largely that was, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but so now it's even that anxiety. I won't be so flippant about Rob if we talk about him in a little bit, but, um, or it might be, but, um, probably will be. Cause yeah. Um, cause, cause I am, but, but it, um, so any of that stuff is magnified hundred times more now with V, right? Because sure. I don't have a lot of family. Rob didn't have a lot of family. There's, uh, you know, all of this stuff. I'm like, oh, I just need to get her, you know, out of high school, right? Like if, if I, it's all those goals, right? Like I, uh, if yeah. I just hang around long enough to get her to, to college, to get her out of high school, then she'll be set and she'll be, you know, her own person then and self-sufficient and, and all of that stuff, you know, like she wouldn't want to leave this house. This is a house where her daddy was. And if I didn't die, right. it's the house where her mom was and all of that. But who the hell is going to come live with her? Because no one's going to want to like give up their life to come live with someone else's spawn. Right. So there's all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> well, OK. Yes. But I do think that one of the things and you made the crack about like first world problems in private school. But I'm a big believer in in the it takes a village cliche. I'm a huge believer in this. And I think that, I think your daughter is a perfect example of that in motion. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I look at, I look at the people that are in her life. I look at, I look at the people who duck in and duck out for tiny little things, people that she knows, like me and the other dudes in the stick arounds who just, she knows from like the fact that like, we hang we, like we're around in the neighborhood and we're yeah. we're friends with well, and, uh, you know her she mom. comes to see you play right and yeah. and and i think she doesn't want to admit it but i think she thinks that we're funnier than she wants to believe we are like oh, yeah, i think she, actually, I, she doesn't like you guys but she, she does she she thinks that she thinks we're hilarious and yeah. we are um and you are but really. but we're a very tiny part of that but like i think about lynch i think about <clears throat> Oh yeah! Did you see Lynch's post the other day? About I did. I did. Oh, you know, I mean, I mean, this guy's playing Rockstar every other day, and yet he's taking time out of his schedule when he's not touring and tearing apart Leslie cabinets to come and hang out with this kid, right? He's doing lunches at her school, so my tuition yeah. load isn't so substantial. I mean, what he's an unreal. amazing human being, right? And then you've got people like you know, you've got you've got people like the Wests and other folks like that that oh, you've yeah, got and that, Jamie Shriner and, and, and you know, there are just Anna, all everyone. Yeah. there's just all these amazing people, and it all has to do with the fact that people love you, and then they fall in love with me, and then everyone wants to help, and you're such a great advocate for other people and you are also so great about standing up for yourself. I just think it's interesting that usually the last person to stand up for Renee is Renee. I don't know what to say. 
um he says he says as a he says as a dude who it's like looking in a female well, mirror, i know right like i was right? gonna be like isn't that most people though well not yeah. i mean not assholes i think but it's most nice people no i think i think it's most people who are maybe really thoughtful and maybe at times too empathetic if that makes sense yeah. Absolutely. Um, Not even, not even in the sense of like, I'm trying to take care of other people, but in the sense of like, I don't want to put myself first that like almost like that puritanical Midwestern, like, nope, somebody else is in line at the buffet in front of me. And so they got, they got, they got to get their kudos and their emotional support first. And then I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I, um, there are so many assholes in the world. I don't want to be one of them. Oh, for sure. Um, right. Yeah. And and uh, I, I appreciate that. The question is, are you being an asshole? This is a lesson I'm trying to learn. Are you being an asshole to yourself by not occasionally being an asshole to other people? Oh, absolutely. All the time. Right. And the see, problem- this, is why, this is why I make a terrible counselor, right? Because I see both sides of everything. And no. so I'm like, oh, yeah. Renee, yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm going, yeah, other people <laughs> deserve not to be treated like an asshole. I am an mm-hmm. asshole. So I should be treated like an asshole. Like it's totally, a, it's totally a low self-esteem thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, you see, especially like, I'm going to sound super freaking old now, especially in the days of social media, you know, you see how awful people can be to one another. Yeah. Mostly to strangers, but you know, not always. And um, that hurts my heart. Like it really hurts my heart and I don't want to be one of those dickheads. I still feel bad about something shitty I inadvertently did to someone in third grade. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, like I, it got... just, I was a real asshole and I, my mom had to come and like save the day and I was a jerk and I just feel terrible, terrible. Can't do anything about it, but I still feel shitty no, about it. And, and you know, did you learn something from it? Did you not repeat that behavior? I mean, I think- Oh my God, I mean, no, geez. Right, so that's- that's not like you don't deserve like a Nobel Peace Prize for that, but at the same time, like that's that's maturity, like growing right. up and not not right. making the same stupid mistake over and over and hurting people the same way again and again is growth. And sometimes we do it, and sometimes we don't. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So so let's let's. I want to work through the timeline here. So you have a kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. She is born. Two thousand nine. Eleven. Eleven. Two thousand eleven. And then 2013, you get, 2014, you get your diagnosis. 14, yep. Okay. Um, and then when does Rob die? What year is that? <laughs> 2017. And I'm laughing because okay. he died on April 1st because that was the ultimate kind of thing they could have done. Right? Yeah. Yeah. April 1st. So, you know, Veronica's like, every year, he gets up just like, I fucking hate this day. I'm like, I know, I know. Because she'll never, like, it will never slip her mind, right? No. Because it's a, no. it's an April Fool's Day, right? Like, it's yeah. never, <clears throat> ever going to slip her mind. And it's just, it is yeah. what it is, right? It is, but well, it's funny. I mean, like, it's funny now. Because I think that if he had, like, could see that, he would just be like, eh. you know, <laughs> that, that, Rob, that Rob smirky giggle snar- snarly thing. I think that he would think it was pretty funny. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, how long, bad, how long had he been struggling with health issues? Cause so in he, 2013, he had a stent, right. And it was, things were good though. Like he went in, it was 
scary and then he had a stent and then things were good and then um he was fine in the interim so there's like a really sad story here and matt i don't even know if you know this we'll get to that in a second though so anyway so he was fine and then well here's the part i guess i'll just do that now i found out he hadn't been taking his medication because it was very expensive and he didn't think we could afford it oh my gosh because he was staying home with V and I was working and he never told me that he wasn't taking some of his meds. Had he told me. Oh, Renee. I, I know it's awful. Poor V, right? And I'm you know, so, so sorry. Had he told me, I know the system, right? Like I could have found, you know, all these things, but he, I don't know, I don't know like what went through his mind, but he was trying to not be a burden. Here's that thing again, right? Like when you're trying to be not a burden for everybody else and you don't advocate for yourself and then you end up dead in the hot cat parking lot. Right? Like it just And you wind up and you wind up being a burden in a in a way that <laughs> so in a, in much torment. In a way like we all in our weakest moments right have had that that thing happen where we think oh everybody be better off if i just wasn't here oh god anymore. yeah right like we've all had that childish right you know response and the reality is that it really is a lot like it's a wonderful life like yeah. like there are very few people on this entire planet out of billions of people where the world would actually be improved by their removal. Right. I mean, we are talking about a scant number of people. Uh-huh. I got a couple names. I'm not going oh, yeah, 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 to. I, mean, I, I was thinking I got a, like I a, mean, maybe a short post-it note list, but yeah, that's um, I could do it on one side of this like college ruled notebook. I could do one sheet, like right. okay, regular I handwriting better about side. Myself, yeah. Cause I was thinking yeah. one of these short post-its, but okay, good. I was going to use a tiny. Pen. No, no, I got, I got, I got some scores to settle. Um, okay, but there's a lot of people in the world, right? So if you do the math for that, yeah, it's still it's still a really, really tiny percentage. And that's I think that's the thing. It's like there's so much goodness. And I feel like when I see people being assholes and being shitty to each other, it's the whole hurt people, hurt people thing. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's it. Right. And so so, you know, Rob was kind of an asshole for a while. Right. Like a curmudgeonly, just like everybody else sucks. And and, you know, a lot of that stemmed from the fact that he had these amazing aspirations and all this talent. And it's really fucking hard to be a well-known musician. Right? It's really like hard. It, it, yeah. So there was that. Right. But um, once he saw Veronica, the he was a different man. Right. Like an absolutely different human being once he saw that kiddo. And um, yeah, it's just so unfortunate that he you know he didn't take his meds and then so so i kind of feel guilty about this even though i know technically it's not my fault i wrote his ass and made him start taking his meds again and that was in late february then he has the next clot in the beginning of march right march 1st and that's when you saw him and they did that music thing um he and yeah we did that was that was what first weekend of march i think and we did it yeah, we did that thing at the state archives and yeah, and he wasn't he, supposed to do it. He, that was a day ago. Well, and we didn't know that until after the fact. Mm-hmm. So so Jeff and I sat there and had a conversation with him and with Lynch for a half an hour, Renee. Yeah. I know after, they were gone forever. I thought he was dead. I was panicking. After we had both played, like and then went out and like went to the lobby and talked for another 15 minutes. 
and like got in the car. And then that was when Jeff told me, he's like, I don't know that Rob should be here. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, he's clearly, I'm like, I'm like, he's clearly not doing great. And then Drew Howard comes out of the thing and he goes, what the fuck is Collided doing here? That was literally the only thing Drew said to me all day. He's like, what the fuck is Collided doing here? And I went, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. none of us are his babysitter. I'm like, his babysitter no. just, just took him home. Yep. Yep. You know? no, yeah. Like, and then, big. and then literally it was four weeks later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Four weeks later. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I said, I didn't think you should go. I like <clears> kind of <throat> gave him a hard time about it. And he just was like, I'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, I'm not your mom. You know, I'm not your mom. You do your thing. And if you think you can do this, you know better than me. And he's like, it's just one song. And, you know, I can do that in my sleep because it was it was his song. Right. So. Yeah. And um, he. Came home and I was like pacing, like I said, he was there forever. Right. With you guys and stuff. And yeah. so I'm like pacing around and I'm looking at the kid and I'm thinking, ugh. and um, he walks in the door. You know how he had that nonchalant, like sh- shitty thing that he just like walks in the door. He's like, told you it'd be cool. <laughs> asshole i'm like yeah uh, uh, i will say as somebody who got to be there that day and get to see him and get to see him and mike play that song and to know that it's in the state archives forever That's so good yeah uh i am so grateful that i i literally got asked to be a part of that thing the night before it happened i was oh. hanging out at jeff's and Somebody had gotten a hold of Matt Jones, who put the whole thing together. And Matt texted me and said, doing this tomorrow, if you can come by, put a song together. So Jeff and I ran through and did a, we did a version of Fire and Rescue, just the two of us, and went over and did it. Awesome. And then, like, that's how we got to see this thing with, with Kaleida and Lynch. This is, that's the day that I met Jose Moore. That's the day that, that's the day that I, that I met, um, I think that was even the day that I met Joshua Joshua Smith. So like oh, that one cool. day, yeah. so I feel really grateful for that day, but mostly I feel grateful for that day be- because it's the last time I saw Rob. Yeah. And, be- and because that thing is in the archive forever, Renee. And yeah. that that's as close as we're going to get to immortality. That yeah. and that kid... Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so cool. Like she, she, you know, she's, of course she struggled when he died. Right. And um, to be able, I would hear his voice. Sometimes it would freak me out. Like I would be sound asleep and I would hear him talking and I would think that I was dreaming. And, but then the dogs would be looking and I would like be like, what the hell? And it was her watching him on YouTube. Oh my God. Watching a show he did at LCC, watching oh that same pass that the lash had done. She would find it on YouTube and it would comfort her. And it was just heartbreaking, oh. right? Like it was just, and I mean, so, I mean, not to like turn this back to, oh, poor Renee, but imagine what it's like to tell your six-year-old that their daddy died. And what you know? that means. And what that, well, she knew she, she got it right. Like she, she's yeah. very, she's always been smart as shit. Right. So we were, um, he left and he was doing an early gig. Right. And he was going to bring ice cream home. The gig was done at nine. She could stay up late. She was going to get ice cream. We're hanging out and the phone rings and it's the booking agent. And he's like hysterical and I can't even figure out what's happening. And while I'm talking to him, it's the Lansing police. 
So I hang up on the agent and I answer the phone and it's that call, right? The call, right? Yeah. Is this Renee Hall? <clears throat> yes, it is. Do you know Robert Klajda? Cla- 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 oh, God. You know, and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, could you come to Sparrow Hospital? So I have been, you know, I worked in the medical field for 15 years way back in the day. I know enough to know that the hospital calls you if they're inpatient, but the police will call you if they're dead. Yep. So, so I was like, fuck. So I pick up the phone and I call an amazing friend who lives very near the hospital. And I'm like one of these um, friends' moms. And I'm like, can you, and I drop B off. I'm pretty sure Rob and I'm spelling, you know, D-I-E. And I got, and she's like, why, why? Yeah, bring her over. So I'm scooping up VM like, you know, daddy um, isn't feeling very good. Like there's a thing and some stuff. I'm like, so I'm going to drop you off at your friend's house and we're going to go. And I get downstairs and I don't have a set of car keys because we only had, I know, right? Total, to, typical Hall Clyda thing, right? Like I get downstairs with the kid and she's nervous, right? Because daddy's already been in the hospital, right? And so he knows nervous. something's up. She knows. And um, so I'm like, crap. And I'm trying to act like it's cool. I'm like, oh, shit. Daddy had both sets of car keys. We only had we had this old 95 Volvo. It was the best car I've ever had, like heated seats, super plush. Like I love it was like the NPR woman car. Right. It was like that station wagon. Right. Yes. Cream color. It was beautiful. Um, But so that only had one key because it was like 600 bucks to get a new key. Car wasn't even worth 600 bucks. So we had a key for that. But he had my Jetta. And then he had the key for the Volvo as well. Oh boy. Uh, it was like crap. So I call Amanda back and I'm like, can um, can you come get us? Cause Rob had both sets of car keys. She's there in like two seconds flat. But it was the longest. It was like the, when you're super high time warp, right? <laughs> there And time is like bended and weird while I'm trying to entertain the kid waiting for Amanda to come and get me. And I'm not having all of those fantastic when you're high, like brilliant thoughts, right? I'm panicking. <laughs> So it wasn't as cool but um so she comes and she takes us she drops me off at the hospital and i look at v in the back seat and i know she knows i see it on her face i know she knows i know that i'm she knows i'm totally full of shit when i say i'm going in to check on daddy and i'll be back like she she knows she knows i'm lying to her but i can't do anything else right she can't go in there and so off they go i go in and they, they have me waiting. This is one of the best stories ever. You're going to love this. They have me waiting at the desk. And I am standing there and the girls are panicking. Right? The the admission clerks are panicking. So I, you know, whatever. And then they're like, oh, I can't remember his name now. I can still see his face. But this dude is going to come get me. Well, this dude is a social worker. Like, I know what's going down. Right? I'm not dumb. So they take me to like the family lounge, right? And he's going to have the doctors come in. And I'm like, you can stop with the bullshit. And he just turns and looks at me like terrified. <laughs> like, I know he's dead. I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, I just, I'm in, you know, practical mode now. I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to break down and lose my shit in front of you. I'm like, I will get things done. Well, then the docs come in the room and they're friends of his. They're sobbing. They have no composure, no decorum. They're they're just a hot mess. They're like, what are you, how are you going to tell the kid? And I'm like, I don't know yet. I'm like, we're going to get there, right? We're going to, I'm like, first, we got to talk about organ donation. First, we got to do this thing. We got to do this stuff. But just to be clear, 
your partner, the father of the child you've brought into this world, has died, and you've got to keep it together for the staff because they know him? Well, I got to keep it together for everything because if I lose it, it's over, right? Like I have I have tasks to perform. This is, okay, this is another one of those situations where you and I are so simpatico, it's fucking frightening. Like, yeah. like you just channel all the anxiety and the fear and the paranoia and everything. You just go, let's make a checklist. Yep. That's exactly. And yep. that's like, that's what I did when my dad died. Yeah. And it, and it was just like, I would finish one thing and I would just turn to my mom and go, what can I do next? Yeah. That was how it was when my parents died. Cause I'm an only child. Right. So there was no yeah. one to help. But when my mom was dying, the hospice nurse was there and she was chatting with me and my mom hadn't been talking then. And the woman says, do you like being an only child? And I'm like, well, I did until this bullshit's going down. You know, my mom laughed. She like was like, "Eh," you know, just in her like she was she was so it was like the day before she died. She was in excruciating pain and miserable. But she like laughed. She thought that was very funny. So I knew she could still hear me. But yeah, so holding it together. I call Lynch first. Right. Lynch. And I tell him, and I'm like, you, and I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, Mike Rob died tonight. And he was just like, oh, honey, shit. And he's like, I got, I'm like, you get our friends, right? I'm like, no one can post or talk about it until I reach all of his family and some high school friends, right? I'm like, you got this. So he took care of all you guys. And then I called my friend Jade, who I love. Um, She had been my neighbor, had moved away. Jade came to get me because I didn't have freaking coffee. The cops dropped the Jetta back off here and his keys were going to come to me in that see-through bag of his garbage in just a minute, right? So I didn't have any keys. And so she came to get me and then they bring me back. Like they, they have to go identify him. And so I do. And it wasn't good. Like, I don't know what protocol usually is, but it wasn't, it wasn't good. Like, I feel like it wasn't like the I mean, movies where they pull the uh, the curtain back and no no death isn't pretty and innovation is ugly right and mm-hmm. so I'm like yeah. I could have probably gone my whole life without this last visual but you know if you need me to sign something I'm here you know yeah but I I walk in and I'm like shit <clears throat> I'm like there are no machines I'm like he was an organ donor I'm like I know his heart's a piece of shit but like he had other bits right I'm like what's going on and um you have some time with your other bits right they I guess they didn't know how long it had been since they found him in the parking lot and so there was a delay so like the major bits were done and they couldn't use those and I'm laughing about that because it's like parting him out but well but you also use you're you're also using it as a way to just fucking get through it yeah well I mean like that's just that's just part of who you are and that's I love it so don't apologize okay all right so so anyway so that's that right then I have to come home right so yeah. I call where she is and I'm like, yeah, he, he's gone. I'm like, can you bring her home to me? And she's like, yeah. And the woman said that when she just like touched Veronica, Veronica was on the couch, Veronica was up and ready to go. Like, boom, she knew she was here. And so I will never, ever forget opening the door and they're out there. V's out of the car before the woman even is like, can get out of her seat and come around. Like V's gotten out of her car seat. She's done. She's out. She's coming. And the woman is like standing under the streetlight. You can picture this because you know my place, right? Right at the end of the driveway, she's standing there and she just blows me a kiss and V is running toward me and she's saying, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Where's daddy? Oh, Renee. I know it was terrible. And so I take her and I just sat her down on the couch and 
I had been trying to think of something eloquent to say, right? Like yeah, something yeah. fantastic. And instead, I'm a writer, I'm an English major, out of my face comes, I'm so sorry, V, but daddy died tonight. Like nothing beautiful, nothing poetic, just sorry your dad's dead. It's, it's, it, no, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's direct and empathetic. I mean, mm. you didn't you didn't couch it for her. You didn't you didn't use he didn't pass on. He didn't oh, uh, he no. didn't he didn't go away. He didn't right. leave us. He didn't Not like a dog. Go, he didn't go to the farm. He, yeah, he didn't go someplace better. He died like it's terrible. And well, it's and tragic. I think that would be shitty to tell her he went somewhere better because that implies she wasn't good enough. Right. right? Like, I, I exactly. can say that. Yeah, I just said he died. And so then there was all of that. Right. And then, you know, I just remember it's two in the morning by now. Right. Yeah. 12 ish, maybe, maybe 12. And I'm up in my bed and she's like stuck to my side. Right. And I'm on my laptop trying to message people. And then they call from gift of life. Right. Yeah. And have you talked to those people ever? Yeah, um, we yeah, donated. So I feel like this is a public service announcement for people we, before they get that call. We donated. Um, we donated a bunch of stuff. Um, through Gift of Life when my when my dad died. Yeah, and so it's such an amazing, great thing that somebody can do, but I think that people need a little heads up that they ask you some very specific questions right it's not a general thing right you know how it goes if you yeah. did that it sucks right and so yeah. so i can't so i had to go back into the room you know to get his thumbprint on the phone cuz i couldn't remember his passcode so i'm trying to keep his phone alive so i can find the one last friend i haven't told yet and then i'm trying to do all the stuff and then they're asking me you know can we use the skin off his back can we use his long bones can we right <laughs> trying to make sure veronica can't hear Right. She's in the other room. And I'm like, she's going to be mad at me for parting out her daddy. No, I'm like, I just, but yeah, but it was so good. And they were so beautiful. Right. Like I got letters from people that his corneas were donated to. I got letters from, we people. got, we got, we got yeah. that letter too. And it's um, so beautiful. Oh boy. Yeah. I, um, man, when you, when you get that, I don't know. I assume you have the same kind of thing where the person sends you a letter. This is not like some form yes, thing that no, comes no, from the organization. Too, but that's whatever. But the person but you get an loved... actual like you get an actual piece of correspondence from the person who got a part of your loved one. Mm -hmm. And it is. Oh, I'm getting choked up talking about it right now. Like, it yeah, is, no. Oh, it is a transformative thing. It is like. You, like there's a piece of him still out in the world yeah um it was either dom or josh sherman that said something about looking through someone is looking at the world through rob's eyes oh. and then we were like oh god i hope they're not so cynical right like oh but but yeah that was maybe like, they don't have an oscar the grouch personality right right <laughs> but yeah i still have i got a little gift of life button and as i talk to you and look up on my desk it's in the um you know whatever this board thing is bulletin board is above me yeah um, i mean they they were able to use a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. um and it was really it was really amazing yeah um, it's really it's so really cool. so you've been you've been through this whole god-awful journey yeah 
and you're a 51 year old woman 52 52 year old woman mm-hmm. uh i was trying to be nice <laughs> you could have said i was like 35 it would have been i wouldn't have corrected um, you that you're a you're a 52 year old woman with a middle school age child mm-hmm. going on 30 yeah right and i'm guessing that uh you are i don't want, i don't want to guess talk to me about your relationship with words like survivor as a 52 year as a 52 year old woman with a middle school age kid who's survived cancer uh subsequent neuropathy lost a partner lost her shit and as we mentioned at the top is uh is poor um yeah so um you know i see all these memes and reels and stuff and they're like you know i don't want to be strong anymore i just want nice things to happen and i'm like yeah yeah you know i'll be as resilient and as strong as i have to be but jesus christ it would be really nice to land on something smushy just once Mm, okay i'm gonna share something with you that i said to hannah the other day I don't know if there's a phrase in the world that I'm more tired of hearing than, well, God give, never gives you more than you can handle. Wait, so time out. Just because I'm resilient and can handle a bunch of shit, God just keeps loading me down like I'm fucking Job 2.0? This African-American guy did a reel the other day, and he was like calling up God to make sure he doesn't have me on his strongest warriors list for next fucking year. <laughs> dad he was so funny i'm like yeah me too put my name on that call i like like i can handle some stuff and i certainly yeah. haven't been through anything like you but like there are, I mean, we've all been there but like there are days where you're just like come on man really no, not when oh, like no. our light came on today right i was like not one more freaking thing can i handle today right like you just cut it out for today um yeah. i had a situation a couple of weeks ago with my stupid water heater again for like the 12th time we've lived in this house in 20 years. And I had to call a guy 350 bucks. Ugh. And when I went down there to look at it, I knew from the code, I wasn't going to be able to fix it. And I uh. literally just out loud just went, no, like somehow that was going to stop it. Like, like when you get those texts, you don't want, it just says reply, right. stop to opt out. Like I could just go, no. And then it was just going to work all of a sudden to my car today i'm like i'm trying to change the running light and you know german engineering is fantastic until you got to do something right and my arm up under a thing and it's a thing and i can't and i'm like no i think you're the most lovely car in the world and if you could not just fucking die for a couple more years that would be so fantastic i'll wash you once a week and i'll vacuum you and i won't let veronica leave her shit in here i promise yeah it's like please it's like when i talk to the tomato plants Please bloom. Please bloom. Um, as someone as someone who has has been given a near fatal diagnosis, um, I think you're you're well familiar with the concept of bargaining. <laughs> oh my God, everything is a bargain. I think that might be like the title of my autobiography. Everything is a bargain, right? Like I'd, I, is... Renee, I would read the shit out of that, and I'm guessing based on everything we just talked about, it so would all the people who just heard this, because <laughs> I think it's amazing. I I'm so glad that we got to do this and then i got to hear at least part of your story um and and to know i don't know you're you're a remarkable person not just because of what you have endured but because of the way you didn't let it kill you inside 
Like, I think a lot of people could have survived the physical nature of it and they could have survived the, I can get up tomorrow and breathe, but they may, but they may not have kept living and you kept living. And I find that to be a really admirable thing. And I'm sure that there are days where that's not true. But there are some, right? But but I think when we look at the course of of the whole run, I think it's it's gonna prove that you spent these years living and that you spent these years living and and giving it to that beautiful daughter of yours. And I just that's I all mean, anybody can hope for, right? Well, dude, that's this, all, that's all. This, anybody can hope like that this show when they're gone. This show is called What Am I Making? And I'm looking at you and going, how 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 can I have a better example of somebody who is making the most and the best from a shitty situation? Like you are you are going out and bringing in wonderful people in your life because you're a wonderful person. But you could have just balled up and done nothing. And the rest of the world would have stopped bringing over casseroles. Everybody likes lasagna, so, you know. <laughs> But you didn't do that. You didn't just ball up. And if if for nothing else, Veronica saw that. And that that's a remarkable lesson to show your kid. I hope so. I hope she gets it. Uh I think she does. And uh hmm. I think I think there's I think there's more to get with you as her mom. I think there's okay. pretty good so next time I want to interview her. But oh, we'll Jesus. wait. We'll wait on that one, and uh, I'm gonna have to do some research to figure out what the hell she's gonna want to talk about because it's gonna be things where I don't even know what they are. Oh right, and if she'll talk at all, right? Because yeah. she's at that age, right? Where she right. may not. Speak. Well, and that's the thing. Like, like she's not gonna talk to me now, but like right. in in I hope that in ten years I can show her this and go, all right, let's talk about your mom. Let's talk about what this was like and where were you when this happened. Oh man. And then I, like like I. I really feel like if I'm going to have the opportunity to be in people's lives and to share their stories, like to do this with people that I genuinely love and that I am in awe of and that I admire. I I don't know if we're going to document it. Let's, let's document it for real. Let's do it. Love it. Love it. I love you. Thanks for doing this so much. Oh, I love you too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got to it. Me too. How about that, huh? What an amazing human being. I want to thank Renee so much for being on the show. Thank you for being here. Remember, do everything that you can to share this with the world so that they can find it and we can grow our audience. Like, rate, and review the pod wherever you listen. Make sure you're going over and signing up for a subscription, free or paid. Paid is always great. Paid subscriptions are real important right now. I don't know if you saw that post, but it's uh, it's real crucial right now. It's kind of a it's kind of crunch time here in Maddie Sea Land, and some paid subscriptions rolling in would would mean the world and really help to keep this ship rolling along and humming. So go to whatamimaking.substack.com and sign up for a subscription today. Be sure to be on the lookout for more of those opportunities to vote on your favorite Spielberg film. I'm going to have some more REM stuff coming soon. I'm I'm uh, documenting their albums best to worst i did the first five the worst five which was the easiest and now i've got to do my real homework but i'm hoping to put something up uh, here in the next week or so with that and uh, there's lots more fun stuff coming gang thank you so much for being here i'll see you next time be well
ABC Productions, setting them up and knocking them down since February.